Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. Today is a very special edition because not only is it Valentine's Day, it's your 30th, John. Tis, Robert. Tis. Feeling a little bit older, feel a little bit wiser about football, so hopefully this podcast is a little bit better than normal. Um, it's also been your birthday, though. You've had a weekend away with the boys up in Leeds. How was that? Very enjoyable. Uh, no regrets at the time. Slightly more regrets now, but... Uh, Yes, that's that's clearly the sign of adding those extra years on make the hangover all that much worse. Um, but let's move on because we have a great topic today. Um, and actually, John, it was one that you called me out for uh, because on a recent podcast episode, I said there's pretty much no bad free transfers. And I do stand by that a little bit in that, obviously, if you're not paying money, in the grand scheme of the worst transfers of all time, I don't think many of them will count as a free transfer just because clubs didn't sp spend the money. Clubs didn't spend the 140 million on Felipe Coutinho, for example. Uh, but we did kind of reassess that statement and we said, oh, actually, there are quite a fair few. And then you were sending me a few links to some articles with hundreds and hundreds of poor performances in there. Um, <laughs> so if you would like to kick us off, Please, please be my guest. Absolutely. So for anyone who, who hasn't listened to last week's podcast, go back and listen to it. But if you haven't listened to it, um, I'll insert the clip that Rob is talking about right here. Um, Tete on a free, I'm reliably informed, is very, very good business. Don't know loads about him. Um, but yeah, you can't really go wrong with free transfers. And then Christy. We're running through sort of the contradictory statement that Rob made last week and we're going to be rerunning <laughs> through the uh, the worst free transfers of all time and as a Liverpool fan I could think of absolutely loads from our side I've even doubled two of them together because I needed to get all three of them into, into my five choices and um, unfortunately it wasn't allowing me to pick that up so my first choice is Joe Cole for Liverpool free transfer reportedly on £100,000 a week, um, probably added to it in that he was one of Roy Hodgson's first signings, if not his first signing. He had come off the back of scoring a winner for Chelsea against Manchester United in the last game of the season. He was still of the quality that Liverpool fans were extremely excited for him walking in the door, but he just did not deliver. From day one, from his first game at Anfield against Arsenal, getting a red card on his debut, in his home debut for Liverpool to the end, being loaned out to Lille in the second season so that we could get him off the wage list. It just didn't work out for him. Um, 25 league performances, I believe, across three seasons for him, scoring three goals. Just not really what you would expect from Joe Cole in terms of the level of output from an England international at that time who had excelled at West Ham and then at Chelsea for many, many years and had done so for England as well. And at that point was definitely on the decline, I believed, at the time anyway, but not so much that you would expect him to have been as poor as he was for Liverpool. And, yeah, it was just one that, unfortunately, didn't work out. Didn't work out from the very first performance and never really built the momentum from there. So, for numerous reasons, for, you know, it being a Roy Hodgson signing, goes down in the bad books for me anyway. 
being on a hundred grand a week at that time is massive wages and sort of the point that you're alluding to rob about it can't be a free signing because it's free often you see massive wages because there is no transfer fee and we'll probably run through a few of those examples throughout this list joe cole was one of those examples and just didn't work out for him as you said i think he went to aston villa then back to west ham again and then he ended up in the second division in the u.s and retired there uh, playing there for a few years but after his chelsea career he just was never able to pick up those joe cole type of performances and it started off with uh Sending off on his Liverpool debut, and I think that was the sort of the downfall of Joe Cole. And it all started from his first performance at Liverpool after being a free transfer. So that's my one. I don't think many will be able to argue against the validity of that claim. Um, and I'm interested to find out who your first selection would be, or if you have any comments on the Joe Cole signing. Yeah, Joe Cole, like it's one of those which I don't think you went into it necessarily thinking it was too bad of a signing. I think technically speaking as a footballer, he, he will go down as one of England's best technicians of the last 20, 25 years. But um, yeah, it nev- he never really got going at Liverpool. He's he's like a little bit of a modern day, uh, well, a past day Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. There's a real footballer in there, but if you can't be available, you're not any use to your team. We'll move on to my first one. And I've gone down some very rogue ones, some players you will have heard of some players you definitely won't have heard of. Um, so we'll start with Feguli, who went from Valencia to West Ham. John, am I alone in completely forgetting that this one actually happened? No, I remember this. I remember Feguli uh, being a solid FIFA player. He was all about the pace on the right or left wing for Valencia at the time. And I thought it was going to be a massive signing for West Ham. I thought he would fit the Premier League very nicely. But like a n- number of transfers for West Ham around that time, it just didn't really work. 100%. So, yeah, the, the signs were there. So he signed from Valencia on a free in 2010. At the time, he was worth about 17 million euros on transfer marked. Um, he'd got 31 goals and 40 assists in 200 appearances for Valencia. Um, 27-year-old Algerian international, good bit of pace, good bit of skill, could play anywhere across kind of like the attacking midfield three, so one of the wings or it can. Um, And he just never really got going at West Ham. Four goals, three assists in 27 games. So he did have some injury issues there as well. But he was shipped off back to Galatasaray after only one year. Um, He still plays in Turkey now, actually. But again, has been a free transfer before this move, actually. Has been a free transfer since. And he strikes me as one of those guys who doesn't want to command a transfer fee so can be quite high wages um and yeah just a string of ones that never really got going at west ham but i would argue arguably say they found the long-term successor now in uh saeed ben rama yeah but there was even talk about them trying to get rid of him last summer um so whether they're fully convinced by saeed ben rama i'm not sure as of yet i think you compare him to what Jared Bowen's doing on the other side or did last season, and that's sort of the level that they want in terms of a level of output. So I think Ben Ram is a good player, but yeah, similar type of signing to Figuli in that you were expecting goals, assists, a bit of pace being injected into the team and a bit of quality from the wide areas, which West Ham needed at that time and unfortunately didn't receive from Figuli in the long term. Yeah, uh, a relative stinker. But as I say, I stand by my previous statement and not one of the biggest ones of all time. Hit me with your number two selection, please. 
My number two selection we've spoken about previously, right? We've spoken about Mark Bosnich to Chelsea before, so I won't go into loads of detail. Anyone who hasn't heard my rant about Mark Bosnich going to Chelsea as one of the worst January transfers of all time, then go and have a look at that. But he was allowed to leave United in the January of 20, uh, 2001 on a free signing to Chelsea after having been replaced by Fabian Barthez. And it just turned out horrendously for him. I think he ended up, he was on around 45 grand a week, where at that time was absolutely massive, especially for a goalkeeper. And then he got injured early on, and then he sort of hit rock bottom when he failed the drugs test in September 2002 and was then subsequently sacked by Chelsea and banned from football for nine months. So not really much you need to go into in terms of footballing terms. He didn't perform in terms of expense of a signing, in terms of wages and ongoing contractual agreements that they had with him. Cost quite a bit for the level of output that he actually developed or had at Chelsea, which is very, very little, if not none. And then the shame in terms of actually having to be having to sack the player in the end because of the field stroke test. Um probably one of the worst signings of all time and in terms of free transfers could go up as one of the worst of that decade definitely anyway um but for me yeah absolutely one of the worst ones that i've said that i've ever seen and i'm going back to it to have it as a second example in another list because it's that bad well i would say actually one of the main things that you want from one of your new signings is for them to subsequently get banned for nine months yeah i mean the long-term vision I mean, that's what you want for every player, you know. Um, yeah, horrendous, awful, and probably luckily for Chelsea, that happened just before the Abramovich era, where they started to position themselves as Premier League title winners and challengers. Uh, before Jose came around as well, so it's sort of they hit rock bottom as a club in terms of exiling one of their big, biggest wage um, recipients at the club just before that sort of stage of that club's life cycle and um, they've only looked up from Bosnich and from 2002. Yeah I mean they've certainly certainly made some progress since and I'm not sure how many free signings we'll be seeing in the Bowley ball era. He strikes me as a man who wants to spend those dollars. Yeah I think even if the player's available on a free he'll probably still throw 20 million at him or at, the, at this former club anyway so yeah I don't know how many free signings we'll see but yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I always get a certain level of excitement with a free transfer because it is so unknown. There is sort of no expectation because the, the lack of transfer fee. But yeah, with Mark Bosnich, it certainly wasn't one that worked out. Yeah. And speaking of ones that haven't really worked out, my next one is Delhi Alley. So this one might come as a surprise to a lot of people, but actually it's because of how the deal has been structured. So because Everton were a bit in the mud and needing to save themselves from relegation last January, the deal was structured that Delhi Alley was a free transfer, but should he play 20 games, it would cost them 10 million and so up and so forth that the more games he played, basically their transfer fee could go up to 40 million pounds. How Daniel Levy fell for this one, I don't know, because Daniel Alley played, I think, 18 games in that first season, um, a lot from the bench as well. So I cannot imagine he will ever play more than 20 games and Everton will pay £10 million. I think they know exactly what they're doing here, um, which is a real shame for his career because he's still relatively young in his early 20s and deserves so much better than this. Although you could argue that he doesn't because... 
Lampard said he lacked focus. Jose Mourinho on the All or Nothing documentary said he was a lazy trainer. Um, but yeah, just overall in his Everton career, obviously he's off now at Besiktas in lo- on loan. He played 18 games and looked quite promising. I went to go watch Everton 3 Leeds nil in February time. Uh, kind of says it all that Donny van der Beek was the man of the match that game. Um, but he had some nice touches. He came off the bench, had some nice touches. Had Solomon Rondon not been the world's worst striker by this point in time, Deli Ali probably would have got an assist. But unfortunately, in those 18 games, zero goals, zero assists. I think he's a player that modern football has kind of passed by a little bit because he's almost like a second striker, but obviously so few teams actually play with a second striker now. Um, And his record in Turkey hasn't been great either. He's got two league goals um, and is often seen warming the bench. And Besiktas actually wanted to cancel. um, They have an option to buy, but they also wanted to actually cancel this year's loan. I can only assume because he's on fairly hefty wages, probably 100k a week. Um, so it's a sad downfall for somebody worth 100 million pounds, and I'm sure it's one that we'll see on many uh, worse free transfer lists in the future. Because I can't imagine Everton will want to be paying that fee. Yeah, fair enough. I actually didn't realise that it, it would qualify to be a free transfer. So good knowledge and a bit of background for everyone, everyone listening as well. So yeah, he sort of went from given you know Rooney type vibes in terms of being an up and coming youth player to now given a little bit of you know adult to rat vibes in terms of having a handful of big seasons and then just being a bit too lazy to really reach the top which is unfortunate because I was I was a big fan of Deli Alley you know in his breakthrough season at Spurs and even before that you know at MK Dons he looked like an exceptional talent yeah so the move to Everton it was such a strange move at that time I don't think because of the nature of the move anyone saw it working out and he's just had a bit of a a really horrible turn of events at Besiktas and that the club owner has been very outward spoken around the failure of Deli Alley this season and they want to actually cancel that loan deal, which is never good for a player's confidence, especially at that age and especially the situation that he finds himself. So I didn't realise it was a free transfer. I think it goes down very high on the list in terms of if we're going to rank them from 1 to 10. But uh, yeah, yeah, good, good um, addition to the list, Robert. Um, well, John, speaking of owners getting a little bit too involved, I don't know if you saw this week, but Todd Bowley liked a tweet um, saying that Cucurella should never play for the club again. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It's so uh, bad. No. I saw Graham Potter get asked about it, and Potter like obviously hadn't heard or seen this, and was just like, I don't really know what to say about this. <laughs> Uh, so I've seen I've seen numerous arguments about Todd Bowley, and we can probably talk about it in another podcast. But I've seen some people sort of defend him and say that he's he's not as stupid as he's coming across. He knows what he's doing. He's got a long term plan. He's very very understanding of the task at hand. But it just feels like someone playing football manager at this point, and not really knowing what's going on or or how to control himself, especially when it comes to even social media. But it's difficult to argue against Cucurella being a little bit of a flop at Chelsea at this point, but we can uh, we can go into further lists at another time. Yeah, definitely. So with that in mind, hit me with your third suggestion, please. So my third selection, we were picking five each. I could have chosen five players for Liverpool alone, 
because we've been somewhat successful in the recent past with Joel Maddup and James Milner in terms of free transfers, but we've had some absolute stinkers back in the day as well. So I would add Andre Vornin and Milan Jovanovic as a joint third choice for my one because it came around the same time and both of them are absolutely horrible, horrible signings. Milan Jovanovic was a Roy Hodgson player, I believe, and Andre Vornin was a Benitez player, but both had just did not have the level to ever be anywhere near a Liverpool changing room. Um, Vornin came from Leverkusen and then ended up going out on loan to Hertha Berlin and then to Dinamo Moscow. Was never, never of the quality, didn't have the pace. He scored a few goals. His output wasn't awful in terms of the first season. He scored five goals in the Premier League. But from then on, it was just dreadful. But the worst one and the real third choice was Milan Jovanovic. We played Standard Liège in, I think it was the Europa League the season before. He actually ended up signing and we signed him on a Bosman transfer in around the January, February time. And he was just awful. He he added nothing. He was playing on the left wing. We thought it might be a tricky winger, uh, but just did not perform in the slightest. And yeah, just turned out horribly. He made 10, 10 appearances for Liverpool in the one season that he was there, scoring no goals. Don't believe there was any assists as well. Just one of the worst signings that I can think of. And came on the, at the same time as Joe Cole, which sort of adds a little bit of salt to the wound in that there's a photo of them too. Um, a Scottish defender we signed from Rangers whose name eludes me right now and Brad Jones all signed at the same time and I'm pretty sure there were three free transfers and one very very low um, transfer fee is in there as well so yeah just a, an absolute stinker from Liverpool's side and uh, not a transfer that we will ever celebrate as being a successful one and Milan Ivanovic goes in there as my number three choice with a very very big mention for Andre Vornan as well have you ever had a good player with long hair? Because Voronin, Carroll, uh, Lazar Markovic, you've definitely had some real stinkers in that regard. Torres, maybe. Torres, but does Torres count? I was going to say. Sure, surely. Uh, him as a, a medium lengther. Medium lengther. Surely Kyrgios counts. Kyrgios Yanakopoulos. Not Yanakopoulos. I'm talking rubbish. It's Kyrgios, the centre half, um, who was also an absolute stinker as well. Back in yeah, back in was it Rogers Day, I can't remember. Um, it's probably a good point. Have we had a good long-haired player? I'll come back to you in that one because yeah, it'll I take think, a while to think about. I think your scouting system. Um, I know you're looking for a replacement after uh, Edwards and the other chap have left. So uh, maybe maybe they could just simplify everything and just go. If they've got short hair, they're in. Yeah. A bald head is better. Harvey Elliott had long hair for a while, so I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he's going to be a good signing. Um, oh. but yeah, if we'll just shave everyone's head the first day that they come in. Perfect, and he's a really nice bloke, Harvey Elliott, as well. So that's good. Oh, he's a Spurs fan. He's a lovely fella. You just <laughs> you just can't 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 uh, can't appreciate people talking the truth. No, I'm only joking. No. I actually do. I actually don't advocate what he did at all. But um, he's young. He makes mistakes, and uh, he there's a good player there. Yeah, definitely. And he wouldn't be a Liverpool midfielder this season if he didn't make mistakes. Um, <laughs> we'll move on. 
we'll move on to Aaron Ramsey at Arsenal. I feel like when we put the podcast title out there, a lot of people will see this one coming. Actually, if you look at his numbers, it wasn't all that bad. Um, so five goals in 49 appearances in the league. Um, but I think his big thing was his lack of availability. Again, when looking into that, it's not as bad as you might think. He had 24 appearances in the league in his first season, 22 in his second and three in his third. Um, so, yeah, he definitely went on a downward spiral, um, ending in a loan to Rangers where he missed the Europa League final um, final penalty. But I think the one thing that puts this 100% in this list is the wage. So as you mentioned earlier, John, often free transfers can command a higher wage. Aaron Ramsey, £400,000 a week um, after a couple of FA Cup wins for Arsenal. This always felt like a bit of a weird move. Like you didn't see all that many Welshmen go to Juventus. I think John Charles was probably the first one before this and maybe the last. Um, but all the talks at the time was, can this guy's agent negotiate Brexit, please? Because he clearly knows what he's doing. Um, and I think the other thing that really put this as a bit of a stinker of a move was just, it was a string of poor recruitment. Um, Juve used to get freeze for people like uh, Perlo. And then this was kind of lumped in with a few, like Rabio was around this time, Ramsey, um, a man who you're going to mention, and I won't spoil, uh, also from a, as a free this season. Um, so yeah, they've had plenty of injury-prone midfielders before and since this. Um, and also with any transfer, you should also look at the opportunity cost. I think higher wages from a few of their players have meant that they've had to let a few of their stars go. So they've let the likes of Cancelo go. Um, they've let the likes of Kulaseski, Bentenker and Romero go. And that's just to top them. So yeah, Juve muddled transfer strategy of late. And it's definitely meant that they've gone from winning seven Syria at in a row to looking like they struggled to finish top four these days. Yeah, I mean, Juve are in the mud a little bit at the minute. We've spoken about that at, at other times. But yeah, they, they had had a bit of success with free transfers with the likes of Andrea Perlo and players like that coming through. Kadira, I believe, was a free signing as well, um, who was quite successful there. And they tried to replicate that with Aaron Ramsey and Emery Chan and other names that we'll mention um, later on the podcast. But yeah, as, there was a good player leaving England at the time, leaving Arsenal, but you just sort of knew he was never going to play as regularly as he needed to play. And he probably at that stage of his career needed to be a player who played week in, week out and should have done that in the Premier League. But I always liked Aaron Ramsey. I thought he was a good player, but you're right. The level of wages that he was on and the level of output that he created for being a bit part rotation player probably means that he is a an he's probably one of the captains, the senior players within our all-time worst 10. We probably should have made it an 11, actually and added a goalkeeper in here as well. But yeah, not a good sign in the long term. And I don't think he will be returning to training anytime soon um, to have any form of nice send-off by the fans. Yeah. Um, any idea where he is now? I believe he's at Lille. Uh, I think it's Nice, actually. Sorry, with... Nice. Sorry, with uh, the likes of Kasper Schmeichel and Ross Barkley are also there. Ross Barkley, uh, international teammate Joe Roden. Uh, so it's a real, 
real interesting team they're building out in Nice. I think it's the uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe. He's the owner. I think it's his uh, British connection that's building it. But yeah, really random. Like I just that had completely passed me by. Um, but yeah, he's he's starting enough games these days. He's clearly a uh, a key linchpin of that midfield. Hit me with your final choice, please. I believe I have two more choices, Rob. I've got f- four and five to add in here um, because I added two as my number three. So my fourth choice, if I'm not mathematically incorrect here, is is Owen Hargreaves for Man City. It was just a weird one altogether. Actually joining from Man United, sort of just trying to give off the same Carlos Tevez vibes. But there was he made one performance for City. It was actually, I'm pretty sure, a man of the match performance for City. He performed at the League Cup, but he made one Premier League performance uh, for Man City and just didn't really work out for him. They won the league that year, so it's not as if he was overly negative on the pitch and put in loads of bad performances. I think the biggest reason that he's on this list is the videos that he put on YouTube of him working out to try and get a move. It sort of came across a little bit dodgeball-y for me, and I, I never really enjoyed it. It sort of gave across a bit of a White Goodman vibe. and. If you're going to make the move on a free transfer to your local rivals, then you probably need to be playing very, very regularly and be one of the standout players in order to sort of make sure that you're validating the rationale for leaving behind the club that supported you for a number of years through a number of injuries to go to their biggest rivals on massive wages just to rub it in their nose a little bit because you're never really going to properly win the fans back. And he was never going to do that. He was never going to play regularly. He probably could have went to a club further than the Premier League, but he chose not to and chose to be a bit part player. And it was uh, very much the end of his career there. So, yeah, between the making a move to know that you're not going to play football to the very, very cringe YouTube videos that were put up, one Hargreaves is fourth on my list for not many statistical reasons, just the uh, the overall vibe of the little bit of... What's the word I'm looking for, Rob? It was a bit of bit of a desperate plea to get a new club and and then the local rivals came in he jumped at the opportunity so it it also reflects badly on his time in Man United for me as well oh very very desperate I'm sure he'll be uh putting out some videos of him training today on Valentine's Day just to uh get get a little bit of attention but yeah you, you can't be going on a free to your main rivals um yeah that definitely didn't work and maybe the right type of idea from Man City in terms of just like building the repertoire of the club more than anything, the reputation. Um, but yeah, it's it, it never worked. And one of those that will uh, go down in meme history, I guess. My final pick, and you said that you needed a goalkeeper. So here is a goalkeeper for our XI, yet we've only picked 10 players. Actually, you did double up for number three. So we might get... 11 in here but uh there may be absolutely no rhyme and reason to the end to the final formation um but mandanda steve mandanda a 2018 world cup winner with france as their number two goalkeeper um this looked like a bit of a coup at the time this was slightly before that in 2016 he'd been one of league one's standout goalkeepers during his time at marseille um, so you thought that Crystal Palace had done very well to snap him up on a free. Um, but yeah, just did did not work at any point, really. Um, he actually started OK. He had nine games in a row um, near the start of the season when he was drafted in. Um, but then after that, 
he was injured for like the next 20 games of the season, something like a very, very long time. Um, and the back end of his nine game spell, actually, they lost four in a row, conceding quite a few. So that was probably the beginning of the end. And then when he got the injury, just never got a chance back in the team, really. So much so that he wasn't even picked in the final few squads of the season. Um, as both Sam Allardyce and Alan Pardew, uh, the two managers during this period, didn't fancy him. And it went so well that he actually went back on a free transfer to Marseille the next year. Um, so good goalkeeper, just maybe not quite a Premier League one. Yeah, good goalkeeper. I would argue probably he was good enough for the Premier League, but probably just the wrong club, unfortunately, um, which you'd never like to see. He's still playing football today. And he was an absolute certainty for, for Marseille for many, many years, putting in, you know, probably over 500 performances for them, if not very, very close. So definitely a top quality goalkeeper, just one that did not work in the Premier League, unfortunately, at Crystal Palace. So good addition to the to the squad and to our 11. Um, I have realised that there is another goalkeeper in Mark Bosnich in there. But if we're going to put together an 11, we'll put Steve Mandanda in Nets. And um, for what he was... For what he was banned for, he's probably a, he could probably be an energizer bunny, you know, striker up there, and uh, he should have loads of energy. Mark Bosnich, maybe, uh, maybe Mark Bosnich can be a winger because he loves to uh, hug the line. Yeah, exactly. He, he knows where the line is. He understands where the white line is, and he'll he'll stick to it. And he should have enough energy to get up and down. So he can go on the wing, and um, and we'll put Stephen Nets here. I love that. And side note. <laughs> <laughs> Big Steve Mandanda. Uh, he's only conceded 24 goals in 21 league games for Rennes this year, age 37. So he's definitely uh, he's definitely still performing. And Palace, actually to their end, uh, I think found their long-term number one quite nicely in Gaeta as well. So um, all's well that ends well, really, in that story. Um, but to finish the episode very well, please hit me with your final choice. My final choice is probably my least favourite footballer on this planet, and um, it is Paul Pogba. I cannot stand Paul Pogba. I think he is... He was horrendous for United. He'll, he'll, he should go down as one of the worst Titans of all time um, from the, the massive fee that United spent. And for me, at that point, where United were trying to find the identity that they're very much doing under Eric Ten Hag, you should always be comparing to what Fergie did and the standards that he set. And if Fergie had you know, decided that this player didn't have the attitude to be a Man United player, as a club, you don't go back and sign him for £90 million. And I think he was one of the biggest issues with that dressing room. At United, he was he is a leader, which is the worst bit, because he can lead in the wrong direction as well as the right. And for Juventus this season, he arrived injured. Um I, I've always found he gets injured quite regularly and especially United he seemed to make miraculous recoveries um, miraculous recoveries just before the transfer windows opened so I never really bought a lot of his injuries and that's definitely be, me being sceptical and scrutinising a player because I don't like him but I'm going to do it anyway uh, you know you look at Pogba arrived at Juventus if you're okay enough to go skiing in December you're okay to be training with the team and doing something in the gym so he should have been around the place. And his attitude looks like it stinks. Um, you compare him to Genie Wijnaldum, who isn't anywhere near the same level of player, in my opinion, as Paul Pogba, in terms of the potential that's there. But he broke his leg 
for Roma a number of months ago and he's back playing. And Pogba, with an in- another injury that's added to a long list of injury of no one really knows what the injury is, found himself on the slopes in December. I think he received quite a bit of backlash from Juventus fans at that point as well as Marco Tardelli. And never really looks like he's interested in getting back on the pitch. He's a probably on absolutely massive wages at Juventus to be there and not even turn up to the training ground, not even be around the place, which is probably where you'd want them. I wouldn't want them anywhere near the, the club, never mind the change room and, and in the team with players who need a bit of a boost at this point. So the fact he's not got near the pitch, the fact that he's getting backlash from the fans and former players, and rightly so, is just showing that Paul Pogba that arrived at Juventus as a fresh-faced teenager is certainly not the one that they brought back this summer and has pointed to the fact, based on the upturn in, in United's performances and the excitement around the place at Old Trafford coincided with his exit. And it's no massive shock at all to me. And his arrival at Juventus has been met with disappointment, um, negative energy, and altogether another bad move for Paul Pogba and further downturn in his career. And uh, if I was Juventus, I'd probably look to offload this summer if there isn't enough potential that they see there and the ability to actually get him anywhere near the training pitch. Well, first off, I think it's incredible that we've managed to get Graham Souness on the pod uh, after only 20 episodes. So that's that's quite a delight. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with at least some of uh, what you said. I think um, to, to put him as one of the worst transfers ever, I don't think he deserves that. I think he wasn't quite the player that they thought he was like positionally. Um, and I also just think that he was a good piece in a very bad midfield. And actually, he's not that type of leader. He's more kind of a second or third man, a bit more of a facilitator, like in the French World Cup team where you had N'Golo Kante, for example. Um, that's where Pog and Blaise Matuidi, Pogba could thrive as being kind of like a key component of it. Same with the old Juventus midfield with uh, Perlo and uh, Vidal. Um, mm. He thrives as a key component rather than kind of like standout man. He can't just do it all by himself. So yeah. maybe they would have been better getting two £45 million midfielders rather than the one Pogba. But yeah, this Juve one is is very quickly looking very, very misguided. And I wouldn't be too surprised. I could see him arguably getting one last good transfer to PSG, but I think it would rely on them not paying a transfer fee to do so. Um, otherwise, it smacks of going to the, Qatar, uh, to the Saudi Arabian League now, um, just because I think so many fans... Uh, fed up with him really like i actually didn't know about that skiing trip that is uh pretty abysmal form really like there's one thing like manuel neuer getting injured when you're going skiing but you've had such a fit consistent record that you can get injured every now and then in a freak accident yeah. and a completely other going skiing when you're supposed to be doing re- rehabilitation yeah but it's there's nothing shocking there in terms of paul pogba and I, I get your point and i appreciate your point but I have many fans here in United who many mates who are United fans and um I watch a lot of Man United and Paul Pogba performed for United when he wanted to and he, he actually only got on the pitch for United when he wanted to. And um yeah, I, I just think it's a good example of the type of player that he is. Um 
I, I never warmed to him. I think you, you would say undoubtedly he would have been better at United this season because of Casemiro. You know, in terms of if you had to put Pogba where Eriksen is, don't know if you would have got the same level of output, but you would have got a, a high level of performance. But yeah, for he relies on other players to do the running for him. He relies on other players to build the team around him, and he'll very quickly tear that down if he doesn't agree with them. Yeah, definitely. So, who do you think, if you were to name the list, and you know I always love springing a little surprise on you, but who do you think is the worst free transfer out of all of those? Remind me of your five again, and then I'll remind you of mine, and we can make the decision based on that. So my five were Faguli, Valencia to West Ham, Delhi Ali, uh, Spurs to Everton. I mean, I know technically all of these are unattached. Um, Aaron Ramsey to Juve and Mandanda. And I've actually realised, did I do Sol Campbell for you? I may have missed that one off the list. You didn't. I thought you had only done four. So you can wrap things up and then gives me a bit of time to think about my answer. Perfect. I am going to do the Sol Campbell one now and I'm going to vote for this as my worst one. Um, 2009, Portsmouth to Notts County. This was the OG Saudi Arabian transfer um, because Notts County at the time, the world's oldest football club, I believe, uh, but they got taken over by Middle East Consortium and immediately put Sven Goran Eriksson as the manager. They were linked to a string of names, Padvel Nedved, Christian Vieri, Patrick Vieira, and even David Beckham. Um, bear in mind this is 2009, so it's much closer to the peak for a lot of those years. Sol Campbell comes in in League Two and signs a five-year contract. Uh, and guess how many games he played in that five-year contract, Jonathan? Ten. He played the one fixture before, <laughs> before deciding that League 2 wasn't his level and swiftly moving on. Um, actually, Notts County weren't all that impacted by this. He probably did them a bit of a favour. Uh, Lee Hughes, if you remember him, he got 33 goals that year as they won the league um, and they had players like Kasper Schmeichel as well uh, down in League 2 which was a heck of a level for him to be playing at mm-hmm. um, but yeah the whole project the project as a whole fell apart a few years later in 14-15 they were relegated back to League 2 the next season they only finished 19th in League 1 but yeah Sol Campbell was supposed to be the kind of like captain leader legend to take them towards glory and yes, sadly, he did not show that in his one appearance for the club. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Sol Campbell, and I think um, I think there's a fellow with bigger issues there, and you saw it towards the end of his career um, with being subbed at Arsenal towards the end of his career because he couldn't handle the pressure. And then I think he ended up at did he end up at Newcastle after Notts County, or was that before? Ooh. Now you're now you're asking. Sometime around then he did. I believe he got a Premier League move back, so it may well have been Newcastle. Yeah, I think it might have been Newcastle. It's difficult to argue as that as the worst transfer, but I I think there was bigger issues to play with at that time for someone like Sol Campbell. So I won't go with it. Um, I'm very tempted to go Deli Ali because the next move for Deli Ali at that point, based on the media coverage that he had got from All or Nothing and the downward turn in performances. The next move was so important to get right. And surely as a player, you understand the different clauses within the contracts that's been agreed upon by the club. If not, that I don't think his agents have done a great job here. Because if 
he did know about it and if he did know that they only paid money if they played a certain amount of games then that would have been a massive red flag so i think it was a it was such a big and important next move for ali that hasn't worked out and he will never as you mentioned he needs to play two more games at Everton for Tottenham to get paid their money that's not going to happen he won't play those two games and he needs to then make a decision whether he goes abroad on a permanent or he drops down division and rebuilds his career again so I maybe I'll maybe pick one to say player still playing Deli Alley and then we can maybe not pick another one of someone who's retired, and that's probably the best way to do it, rather than picking one altogether. Yeah, I like that because you you never know if uh, if things do change. Um, interestingly, have a guess what transfer marked uh, think that Deli Ali is worth now? Four million, three million, fourteen million euros somehow. Uh, so I don't know. How or when transfer marked think he's getting that anytime soon? But it's yeah, it's the um the realistic. You could say a player's worth it based on potential and performances and stuff like that and reputation. But realistically, for someone to make a move for Deli Ali, you would need to probably give him on a free in order to take over his wages and take the risk because he's a risk at this point, unfortunately for him. So fourteen million would never ever ever happen. It would be a free transfer to somewhere. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, in terms of my player who, yeah, that their time is over, I am going to go for Aaron Ramsey. Um, not based on performances on the field, just because £400,000 a week is, it's got to be top 10 wages ever. And yeah, obviously, obviously everything that's happened to Juventus since, compounded by the effects of coronavirus, I think it's... Uh, it's really hit them hard and yeah, it's, it's one that um sad to see. You can maybe see a little bit of bias coming through that. I've got a few uh, current or ex Arsenal players <laughs> in this team. Uh, but yeah. He, he's the one for me. Yeah, that's fair enough. I reckon him and Gareth Beale will probably meet up in wheels somewhere and just discuss how much money they have because they've both done very well at the wages in football. So Fair play to him. Um, he sorted himself out for life, but in terms of the potential that he had when he was at Cardiff as a teenager, he never really lived up to that potential. He had one season at Arsenal where he was outstanding. Um, and for me, he still scored one of the most underrated Champions League goals of all time with the left-footed effort that he scored for Arsenal. But yeah, he's just never really reached that peak that we expected from him. Yeah, nice. So, if the people like this episode, John, what can they go and do for us? As always, you can start by sharing this podcast, this episode with your friends, your family, put it on socials, whatever you want to do. We will not hold you back. But if you could pass it on to at least one person this week, that would be greatly appreciated. You can go to our socials. You can follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok. Um, we'll be more active there over the next few weeks where we'll be posting further information around upcoming podcasts, polls for what you want to see next. Um, but as always if you could as well rate us on spotify apple podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts that would be greatly appreciated robert anything you want to add um no not really john just a uh i'm very much looking forward to the valentine's day football actually the fact that they've uh put tottenham away in milan tonight means that i've got a bit of romance in my life yeah they they, they knew what can we do on valentine's for rob because he'll have nothing else to do so we'll stick on a wee, a wee Tottenham fixture. So that'll be, that'll be good fun for you at least.
Yeah, exactly. They they knew the opportunity of me speaking to a girl pre-Valentine's <laughs> Day was next to none. So the boys yeah. have really sorted me out and I'm looking forward to a 3-0 away loss in the San Siro. Yeah, exactly. Sort of said, give us right arm a break for a few hours and um, stick Tottenham on at 8 o'clock and then you'll be good to go. Perfect. I'm sure my dad who listens to this podcast <laughs> will enjoy that. Um, John, been amazing as always and enjoy the rest of your day today. We you do top football. Peace out from us. Chat soon. Thanks, Rob. Cheers, John. Bye.